Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. Hey guys, welcome back to Pretty Okay Podcast. I am your host, Samantha Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. And today we're back. We're diving back into our How to Launch a Business Without Losing Your Goddamn Mind series. (laughs) Um, If you caught our episode last week, we did just kind of like a brief catch up. Although it wasn't that brief, but (laughs) we did a catch up on what's been going on with us for the past... uh, what is it? Three months, days, like life has no time anymore. <laughs> I don't know what day it is, where we are. 100,064 minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so today we are going to dive back into that series. And before we do that, um, since it's, you know, been a whole however many years since we've last talked about it, we're going to do a quick recap. So if you haven't yet, Go back and listen to the first episode of the series and the second one. Um, they're very valuable. They're packed full of full of good information. But so in the first one, we talked about the first steps, which were self-evaluation and then um, defining your mission and defining your values. And after that, we discussed the importance of market research at the very forefront of your launch. So listen to episode one. And then in episode two of the series, we talked about um, creating that perfect business plan and everything you need to include in that kind of step-by-step as well as elevator pitches and intellectual property and how you can make sure that your ideas and your business are protected. So we covered a lot in those first two episodes. Yeah. If you didn't feel like you if you, for some reason, don't feel like you have action items, then I don't know how to help you because there was so much that we talked about that's done behind the scenes before you even like put your website up or you know start producing product. There's so much groundwork that is incredibly important to lay when you're starting a new business. Yes. And groundwork that you can't skip. So don't skip those first two episodes. So today in part three, we're going to dive into like some nitty gritty business stuff. So which is why I say, go back, go back, unless I haven't said it enough times, (laughs) go back to episodes one and two. Um, But today we're going to talk about infrastructure. And I think this is something that all business owners and prospective business owners uh, will really benefit from. And, 
you know, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're 10 years into your business or beyond, but everybody needs to revisit and fine tune their infrastructure. It's not just for for newbies, right? Right. The fact that the resources that you potentially have available to you as a business owner are constantly changing Mm -hmm. because technology moves at the like lightning speed. So even if you have pieces of your infrastructure, digital or physical, that you feel like are working for you, at some point, the reality is, is that they're going to become out of date. Mm -hmm. And so this is sort of one of those auditing processes that you need to do on somewhat of a regular basis. Right. And, you know, when we say infrastructure, what we're talking about is just kind of the basic organizational and like physical facilities that your your business needs in order to succeed. And it involves a lot of different things. And so in, in today's, we're going to cover just a few of those, and then we'll get into as many as we can in the next week's episode, too. Um, but we're going to talk about things like licenses, uh, insurance, and then we're going to also start talking about things like websites and all the just basic stuff that you need to get your business off the ground. So I think we'll start with with the sexiest topic, which is a big one, um, especially if you're if you're venturing into a new vertical. Um, But we should start, you know, with with the legal shit. Uh, When I was doing business coaching, I mean, hands down, like, one of the most common problems that like my clients came to me with was whether they should get insurance and what kind of insurance they needed. And then also um, what kind of license they would need. And I know the, the natural instinct for people is to think, well, I'm, I'm brand new. I'm really small. It's just me. Do I need business insurance? Um, And 99.9% of the time, the answer is yes. And I feel like this is the part of the episode where I like need to insert my, I'm, air quote, not a lawyer disclaimer. <laughs> and, you know, none of this can be construed as legal advice. And in the criminal justice system, sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous type thing. I watch a lot of Law & Order SVO. <laughs> if you didn't get that, <laughs> I could recite it all from memory. But I saw not- your post. I also used to be obsessed with that show. <laughs> Used to. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I have not watched. I used to like come home from school and just binge watch episodes of it. And <laughs> so I haven't. I dropped off a while ago. Oh, girl. But I'm still a huge fan. Oh, I I told my husband yesterday that I think I watch it every day because like I have this um, this chronic. Uh, oh, my God. Where are my words today? I have a, a chronic illness called Meniere's <laughs> disease, which is a vestibular disorder. And so I have 24-7 ringing in my ears. And I it makes me hum all the time because I'm trying to mask the ringing. Um, but when I'm working, I just turn on Law & Order SVU because I've seen them all so many times <laughs> that I don't need to watch it. But it helps cover the ringing in my ears when I'm working. <laughs> So I just have like a constant yep. loop of oh Law Order SVU on. It's kind of like, I'm sure my neighbors and like every time my male lady comes to the door and like, here's that. She probably thinks I'm off my fucking rocker. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, so the point of that is to say I'm not a lawyer, but <laughs> um, we are going to go over what kind of insurances 
and licenses you need, you know, if any. Um, so liability insurance is definitely the most common for small businesses. And when I say small businesses, I do also even mean, you know, solo entrepreneurs. Um, this doesn't just apply if you have employees like this is contractors. If you are self-employed, this probably applies to you. So liability insurance is the most common uh, and sort of help protect you in the event of a fuck up, which I think that's the that's the technical definition, right? <laughs> of liability insurance. Okay. There are or shit show or shit show, show. right? Whatever you want it to be. They all they both happen when you own a business. <laughs> but there are a lot of different types of liability insurance that, you know, they vary from your provider and your company, but literally nobody wants to listen to an insurance podcast. I don't want to listen to an insurance podcast. So <laughs> I'll just tell you kind of like the three types that you'll you'll probably need if you're launching a business. So general liability is is the big one. It can protect your business against claims for like bodily injury or property damage to a third party, you know, resulting from business activity. Um, product liability. If you have a product-based business, it can protect you. You know, if your business manufactures products or if God forbid, one of your products potentially causes damage or an injury. Um, and then professional professional liability, which is also known as errors and omissions insurance, uh, it can protect your your business and you know again in case of harm um, or you fuck up, you get bad advice, things like that. So if you don't think you need insurance, you're probably wrong. <laughs> All businesses do. Do you guys have it for sourced? Um, I have to admit we don't. Okay. Well, you're learning a lesson. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am learning a lesson. I am taking notes. <laughs> well, and that's what I'm saying. Things. Like, it's not just for brand new business owners. Like, this is something that gets overlooked. And often it gets overlooked until you need it. And then you're like, shit. Okay. But, yes. Yeah. So for, cause SourceCo has a physical product mm -hmm. and a digital product. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably what, I mean, the physical product was a new thing. And I guess like if a kid decides to put one of our styling blocks in their mouth, they could technically choke on it. But in regards to a selling stock photos. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I was like, we don't need insurance. Like you can't get hurt by a stock photo. You can't like, I, I, my brain couldn't come up with some sort of scenario where sure. we would be on the receiving end of something. Sure. But that was probably just me and all of us saying we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I guess it's time to go down the rabbit hole. Totally. And I'm going to pretend to be like an overly confident white man for a second and play devil's advocate. For <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to give you some, some potential scenarios. Okay. Um, so say if a client or like a delivery person slips and falls during a visit to your home office and they want you to cover their medical bills or lost wages due to the injury, you need insurance. Um, if you make and sell bath and body products and a customer ends up getting a rash from one of your products and wants to hold you liable, 
you need insurance. Um, if you make and sell children's products that can cause a choking hazard, kind of like I know obviously styling blocks are not a, a children's product, but again, anything that could cause a choking hazard and that your customer wants to file a lawsuit against your company, you need insurance. Um, if you provide photography services, I know we have a lot of photographers who listen to the podcast. If a client ever claims that you damaged their property while you were on it taking photos, you need insurance. Um, or, you know, if another company accuses you of copyright infringement or is making slanderous comments, like insurance can help. <laughs> and it's, if you really think about it, every product you buy has some kind of disclaimer on it, right? Like a choking hazard, even if it's something you would think your kid would never put in their mouth, like, oh shit, they have that there. Tide pods? Oh yeah, Tide pods. Mm-mm. Delicious. <laughs> I don't even think that's kids. That's fucking dumb teenagers. <laughs> um, so like to answer your question, like you have to kind of think about it in the terms that it's better to be safe than sorry, because we live in a world that's full of Karens and Chads and <laughs> people who yeah. like, like to make a stink and who are just looking for an opportunity and, you know, I've said this a million times in this podcast and I'll keep saying it because you need to cover your ass and you need to make sure that you're proactive with it rather than reactive with it. Because when you're reactive with it, it's going to cost you a shit ton of money. You know, the last thing you want is to go bankrupt over something that's beyond your control. And as you grow, so will your insurance need. And I am not an insurance agent, like I said, because that would be really boring, but I do recommend, you know, reaching out to one and seeing, saying like, here's exactly what I do for my business and don't let them oversell you obviously, but like, just let them kind of give you the lay of the land, you know? And then of course, once you like grow and you have employees, you start getting into things like workman's comp, commercial liability, and like all that fun stuff. So it's just something that is incredibly boring to think about and like not fun when you're a creative entrepreneur and you just want to make pretty stuff all day, <laughs> but it will help you so much to grow and scale if you have it at the beginning. Okay. I'm adding it to my to-do list. <laughs> that was for everybody else out there too. Not just you. I'm not, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that there's a lot of people like me who, um, like I also don't have business insurance on my consulting business. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's where so, that errors and omissions one comes into play. And yeah. I can really tell anybody that does any kind of business that includes consulting, you know, business coaching, whatever, you have to have that insurance because somebody could come back and say, you told me this and I lost money. So I'm going to sue you to recoup that money. So that. that's where that, that errors and omissions, um, insurance kind of comes into play to cover your ass. All right. Okay. I don't want my ass exposed. Don't, that's for sure. Don't let that ass be exposed. <laughs> no, no, no. So no, that's really great advice. And I mean, I've been, in, I've been self-employed for five years now. So here's a perfect example <laughs> of why, you know, you just got to, 
once you see where your gaps are, you just got to fill them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I know like Sourced Co. is an LLC and so is Glitter Guide. Um, and I, and that's another question that I frequently get asked is like, do LLCs need, um, insurance since they already have that limited liability, you know, under the umbrella of being an LLC? And the answer is yes. Um, an LLC creates a divide between your personal assets and your business. So that means that even if you face a lawsuit, your personal assets should be safe, but your um, LLC can still be sued and be liable, you know, for huge sums of money, which is why it's just it's just smart to to carry liability insurance policies, you know, such as that that general liability insurance or the errors and omissions. Yeah. Do you have any sort of, I'm sure that the answer to this is that it's different depending on how much coverage you want. Yeah. But on if you had to give an average, what's the like financial expense of working insurance into your finances? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't think I know <laughs> off the top of my head. I'm coming in with the question. I know. I it's good. I'll have to do some research on it because I don't know. Um, obviously, it, you're right. It varies based on the size of your business, and it's going to be a much smaller expense when you're a solo entrepreneur working from home. Um, than if you're somebody who has commercial space or has, you know products with shipping and things, warehouse things, things like that. Um, but so it just, it obviously increases the more you grow, but I don't know. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to look. Yeah. Well, also, since I'm going to be looking into it, if I, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to let people know how much we end up investing in these insurance policies. Yeah. I don't, I'll be the guinea pig. Yeah. It's, it's not, Anything over my guess is wouldn't be over five hundred dollars a year. Um, so it's definitely oh okay yeah it's it's definitely affordable, which is why it's like just do it, just get it, guys. It's like forty mm-hmm. forty two mm-hmm. bucks a month. <laughs> so that's my best guess, though. Did you just do that math in your head? What five hundred divided by twelve is that forty two? I don't know. Is it because if I if that's right, I'm really proud of myself. Let's see. Oh, I'm pretty close. 41.6 repeating. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, such a numbers nerd. You're so smart. <laughs> um, okay. So that's my spiel on insurance. And then as far as licenses, you know, virtually all businesses will need a business license of some sort. And that's a very frequently asked question by people who are we're launching a new a new business or getting into that new vertical. Um, there are a million different types of licenses and permits, and uh, again, every business is very different in their needs. So, highly recommend you know with the insurance consulting with an insurance agent, um, and they can also help you figure out what kind of license you need. Um, but most people will need a general business license, um, no matter who you are or what you're doing. And another one um, is a, a DBA, a doing business as license or permit. So if you're running your your business under a fictitious business name, you know, your state might require you. And that's the thing, too. All states are different <laughs> with what they require, who they require to have what. So I don't have the perfect answer for everybody as to what you need. 
Um, so check with somebody who's smarter than me <laughs> to, to get that info. Um, one that I know is commonly overlooked and then one of those, oh shit, I need that, is a sales tax permit. So if your your business sells goods, do you guys have a sales tax permit? So we hired a CPA very early on. It was one of the first things we did because after I signed up for QuickBooks Online and realized it was a lot more complicated than QuickBooks Self-Employed, um, I was like, we're going to need some help here. So we have a great CPA and she definitely helped kick our butts into shape in that space, especially because we did have a physical, oh, because we ended up having a physical product. So yeah. yeah. That's great. Maybe we can put her info in the show notes because that's something people ask me for recommendations for all the time is a good CPA. And I, I don't have one that works with like specifically creative businesses. So if you have a good one, maybe we can recommend her or if anybody else has a good one that they want to share, let us know. So to get back so you need a sales tax permit um, if your business sells goods, whether you know online or in person in a store. And uh, your state requires you to collect sales tax, which is not every state, um, but you you usually have to get some kind of permit known as a, a sales tax permit or a seller's permit in order to do that. And there, there's one that people often also overlook, which is called a home occupation permit. And a home occupation permit applies to like home-based businesses. So that's a lot of people right now, obviously, <laughs> but it doesn't mean home-based because of a pandemic. It means like all the time you're, you're home-based. Um, and if you plan on operating your business from home, you, you should check and see if your, your city or county requires that uh, to see if you, if you do work from home. Um and then uh, there are professional and occupational licenses, like specific types of businesses or businesses in particular industries can require some special professional or occupational licenses, you know, for, for example, like certain states may require childcare uh, business to obtain a special license. And then professions like lawyers and accountants can also be regulated and require special licenses. So it's always just good to check and make sure that you have everything that you need for your industry. Um, and then of course, things like health permits. If you, if you do anything, like if you're a wedding cake uh, or your wedding bakery, I don't even know the technical term, wedding bakery, fancy cake artist, just a bakery. Oh, it's the technical the term bakery. for a wedding cake and baker. <laughs> just a bakery. Okay, fine. <laughs> just a bakery. Um, and then, you know, things like environmental permits, a lot of states and local governments require permit or permits for businesses that like have special pollution. So if you make body products or anything that could kind of result in, you know, the discharge, ooh, ooh, that word of an environmental ooh, contaminant, ooh. <laughs> uh, you'll have to get a, a special permit. Um, so on that, on, on the word, a uh, discharge, <laughs> That's my, <laughs> that's my licenses and insurance. And I'm sorry for being so boring, but I promise you it's, it's very crucial to the overall success and longevity of your business. Like 
we all make mistakes when we're learning and we're growing as new business owners. And God forbid your ass is not covered for one of those mistakes and you're just, you're done before you can even start. So I know if you're not really making any money, like 500 bucks a year for general liability insurance might feel like a lot, but just trust. It's it's one of those grown up purchases that you just kind of have to get over it and do it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's a lot less than a $10,000 legal bill or yeah. something like that, right? So Yes. Yes. And like I said, the world is full of Karens and, and they're, they're after you. <laughs> yeah, they suck. So in terms of infrastructure, now we've gone over insurance, we've gone over licenses. So now what we're going to talk about is like the physical pieces that your idea actually requires to get off the ground. Um, and so do you kind of want to walk us through? Totally. And I, I think this is, well, people probably don't think this is sexy, but I think this is such a fun part of starting a business because I'm a total fucking nerd. Um, but it's, it's like putting together, putting together a puzzle. I mean, figuring out what physical pieces you need to operate a business is it's kind of like a puzzle and I I enjoy that problem solving yeah. part of just business in general so that's why I totally nerd out over this <laughs> um so hopefully this conversation will convince some of you to really enjoy this part of being a business owner but there are nowadays there are physical and digital parts of your infrastructure and I touched base on it earlier where just technology in general is moving at such a fast pace mm-hmm. that it not only affects the this pieces of software that you can plug into your business's infrastructure, but that also affects any sort of physical thing that you have as well because those businesses, you know, when we're talking about production, technology changes how they actually can operate their piece. Um, so I figured it would be good to split those into two different buckets. So we'll start off with the physical pieces of infrastructure that you should be thinking about and looking for solutions. And this tends to be, I think, what kind of maybe overwhelms people a little bit more um, because there are there's not like somewhere on the internet that you can necessarily go and figure out who the best partners in this space are for you because they're not like giant global companies who have big marketing budgets. So, but when you are, especially if you're producing a physical product, one of the first things you need to figure out is how are you actually going to produce that product? Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple different ways that you can end up with something to sell. And, you know, I think most people probably think of, oh, I'm going to make it myself, especially if they're starting, you know, a a boutique or home-based business. You're going through the motions of creating what you're going to sell on your kitchen table sometimes, right? Totally. Like we've all we've all done that, I think. Um, but so whether you're creating something in-house 
maybe you are importing goods and reselling them or, you know, buying something wholesale and brand taking it through this kind of rebrand process and then reselling the good. Um, or you are contracting out with a vendor to do the actual production. So those are all things that you really need to consider when you are figuring out what you need to actually produce a product. Um, One thing to think about is if you are going to contract out the production of your product with someone, you definitely are going to have a different type of cost associated with it. But there are also Mm -hmm. options like, what is it, Society6? that essentially give you a bunch of blanks that you can then brand with your designs. And when you're looking at that as an option for your business, you definitely need to look into what percentage you are actually going to be making off of each sale. And that percentage is going to be considerably lower per unit than if you are producing something in-house for yourself. Um, I think that that in itself kind of really is tied to your business model in general. Um, So if you have Mm -hmm. some sort of idea of where you wanted to go with things, then that will help you land on the right infrastructure pieces. So one of the things that I definitely did not think about once I ran a business with a physical product was where the fuck I was going to keep everything. (laughs) So when you have a physical product, knowing where you are going to store your product inventory is a must know as a part of your infrastructure. And, you know, maybe that's at home in your home office Maybe it's under your dining room table that you never use, or maybe you have an offsite, you know, small warehouse or storage unit, but you definitely need to know where you're going to keep all this stuff because emotionally it creates a lot of overwhelm Mm -hmm. if you now all of a sudden have to like live with a bunch of stuff in your house and then your spouse is going to get mad at you and It's just going to spiral from there. So definitely have a clue and a plan to store your product inventory. The next thing that you need to figure out is how exactly you're going to fulfill and ship orders. So if you're working with a production vendor like Society6, um, mm-hmm. I've never worked with them, but I just know that they do this. So, you know, they're producing the product, they're fulfilling the orders, and you don't have to have any physical touch points in that process. So that works for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if you are storing your own inventory and managing your your own orders, then you need to have packaging material. You need to have a process for postage um, because, you know, like standing in line at the mail or at the post office is pretty much the last thing you're going to want to do every damn day of your life. So figuring out how you're going to manage postage. um, Are you going to need help with physically packaging orders? I think a lot of grandmas and nannies get pulled into this. (laughs) I've heard. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, or I mean, shit, like when we've done large styling block orders to send to events, I have to sit there for hours and hours and hours. And Cassie's doing the same at her house, like prepping it all. And Brett's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm peeling the protective layer of our styling blocks. It's so much fun. Um, so understanding how you're going to execute receiving orders, fulfilling orders and sending them out mm-hmm. is a very important piece of this puzzle because it, it has a lot of influence over your customer experience and how what they think of your company, right? Right. Yes. So, so that is definitely a super, super important piece. Like they don't give a shit where you're keeping your product, but they give a shit about how they're receiving it and how timely that is. So totally. And the the experience that they get when they get your package, which is like a whole other episode in itself, like the whole like branding your your packages and whatnot, because like I I find it so disappointing when I order something from a brand that like I'm excited about, you know, because say they have great marketing or whatever, and I'm excited to get the package and then it comes and it's just like thrown into like a box and <laughs> there's nothing exciting about it. And I'm like, oh, where's my experience? <laughs> totally, totally. And that's something that I think comes with time. Like there's a lot of, I mean, we all have FOMO and I have been really wanting to get branded like tissue and packaging Mm -hmm. from the company is no issue. Mm -hmm. Um, No issue sells tissue. Yep. No issue sells tissue. Yeah. And you definitely want to buy from them and we're not supposed to get stuff from Uline anymore because they donate to a certain politician. Fuck that guy. That, yeah. So, um, no issue is a great alternative. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the the whole branding and packaging experience is definitely a different conversation. It's the fun side of this conversation. Yes, we're this just is talking the about logistical. The, yep. So, but you know, in terms of like physical things that you need, other than that, you really just probably need a computer and internet. Mm-hmm. And if you're providing, if you're starting a business that is a service-based business where you essentially are the product, then it's very likely that all you need physically is a laptop and internet connection and yeah. somewhere to work, whether that's your couch or a co-working space or an office. So yeah. I think you know, there's probably, if if we were to have a whole day to talk about physical infrastructure, you know, we could definitely talk about more things, but these sure. are the the biggest and most pressing things that I think business owners should, should really be looking into on the physical side of their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And then there's the digital side. <laughs> and this is where there's a million and one options <laughs> to like, look at and find and vet and ask your friends about and you're like, oh shit, there's like four different things that I could use for this. Yep. Um, but the digital side, your infrastructure is really about setting systems up for yourself. Mm-hmm. 
which I love you you Yes, I know. Systems are so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Systems are really what set yourself up and your business for scale. Sure. Because as one human being, you are literally only capable of so much. And as a business owner who might have multiple people helping you execute on something, you have to have a way to stay organized as a team in a transparent way um, and in a way that doesn't require you. Like if everything's in your head, like you're so fucked. You can't do that. So even if it's just you, please don't just have everything in your head. Yeah. I always like to say like, this is why you have documented processes. Processes. I never say processy. I don't really know the correct correct word there. I'm a numbers person, not a word person. <laughs> um, but I always say, like, if you were hit by a bus, the your person next to you would need would be able to pick up your business and just keep it moving because of the process that you have set out. And having those systems in place makes it so you can keep going if you need to take a break or you need to, you know, step away for a bit hand the reins over. You know, I love delegating. Anyways, sorry. I get really excited when we talk about documenting shit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We should probably do a whole episode just about documenting shit. I think I Um, have. Because have you? I think so. I think I did a mini-sode about it. Oh, well, I'm going to have to revisit that one. You wouldn't probably know better than I would. It's still always fun. I love hearing how other people organize this piece Um, because it is, I mean, it is very much tied to how your brain works. Yes. But some people's brains are absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. They should not base any organizational system off of it. So um, finding a way that is that middle ground that logically it works that if, if, you know, whatever higher being forbid you get hit by a bus and someone needs to step into it, that it makes sense for more people than other or other than just yourself. Yes. Right? So, yeah. But when it comes to the technical, the technological pieces that you should be looking at for your business's infrastructure, for sure, it starts with a website. And mm-hmm. if you are selling a product you should be looking at a website platform that has e-commerce built into it. Yeah. So Squarespace, Shopify, those are the big ones. Mm -hmm. Um, There are other options out there. I personally use Squarespace, so that's the only one that I could ever speak to its functionality. But I do know that Shopify is a very powerful e-commerce platform that's very customizable. So... um, I think it also might be a little intimidating for someone who's just starting out. But if you're like, if you're ready to go balls to the wall, go for it on that that space. I think if you're somebody who's going to have a lot of inventory and like a lot of different SKUs and a lot of different items that you're selling, Shopify is a really good solution for that because it's very scalable um, and it has a really, really great back end in terms of reporting and analytics for for sales and and your traffic and stuff like that. So Shopify is very good if you're looking to set up like an online store or, you know, something in in that regard. If you're just selling like a few products, I think 
Squarespace, I agree, is definitely much more user-friendly. Yeah, it's less intimidating. Um, I mean, I do know that on Squarespace, each shop, you, you basically set up a page and mm-hmm. it's limited to 200 items, which mm-hmm. we found out the hard way. <laughs> Sourcer, like, why can't we add any more items? What the fuck? <laughs> and then I Googled it because um, I never thought we would have 200 items in the shop. Right. But when you have digital products, it's like very easy to get there. So um, like we're in this spot where, you know, we've outgrown a platform that I thought we would be on for a very long time. So, um, you know, I'm human and I make mistakes. So, but I still love Squarespace as one of the options for you to look at. So when it comes to making it easy for people to give you money, (laughs) the website with e-commerce is definitely a must have, but you also need to think about point of sales, Mm -hmm. um, for in-person transactions, which, I'm pretty sure that Shopify has like an all in one thing where you can get physical um, units to take cards and things like that. But then Square is another option to look at. Mm -hmm. And I think they now have online websites or e-commerce options. Um, So, yeah. So those are things you need to look into. And if you are providing a service, then you definitely need to have some platform to send invoices to clients. Mm-hmm. So make it easy for people to give you their money. Yes. Easy as possible. The, as so. easy as po- the easier you make it, the more likely you are to get it because people start dropping off when things require too much effort. <laughs> yep. Um, Which is why Shopify is really nice because, you know, it's one of those things like I know when I go to buy something from somebody's Shopify store, it just generates everything for me and it makes like buying it like a one or two click process. And it's like, oh, shit, I guess I own this now. Um, And (laughs) I do want to say, and this is something that we can always go back to and do a bigger episode on later. Please don't use Venmo or PayPal mm. as your main source of invoicing and getting your income because it's not sustainable. It is messy as fuck when you go into like the accounting side of things. Um, and it's just not, it's just not organized. It's just not a good long-term system. So please, <laughs> after your like third or fourth sale, get a legit point of sale system set up. And I feel like I'm seeing people use Venmo way more right now. Yeah. Yes. And like, I'm like, guys, or they, and people are asking me sometimes, can I pay you via Venmo? And I'm like, fuck no. Like I'm sending you an invoice. Like, yeah. This is not how I roll. Yeah. So, which is a beautiful segue into bookkeeping and accounting. Woo, my <laughs> definitely. Favorite. Yes. Um, Even if you're just starting off with QuickBooks for self-employed, that's 100% something you need to invest in. And that is not a big, scary accounting platform. It's very easy to use. QuickBooks Online is definitely built for accountants Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not um, marketing consultants to know how to use right out the gate. But... um, 
my CPA, she's really great. She ended up, we spent like two hours um, on the phone where she was teaching me how to do everything. Um, cool. I paid her for her time because that's very valuable information. But she also knew that if I didn't know how to use it correctly, then she was going to have like a shit show on the other end of things. Oh, so, God. I yeah. cannot tell you how many times I have had to help friends and clients with a shit show of a back end on QuickBooks. And it's ple- just do like yourself a favor and your accountant a favor and do it right out the gate. Like <laughs> trying to clean up three years worth totally. of transactions is a clusterfuck. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, that, yeah, we definitely should just like do a whole maybe QuickBooks. <laughs> oh, for sure. But yeah, so you definitely need to have something set up on the accounting side. Like do not try to set up a system in Excel because you no. will hate yourself and then you won't do it. And then like Sam said, you'll end up with three years of transactions that you haven't categorized or reconciled. And then you're really gonna fucking hate yourself. Yeah. So do this as a favor to your future self and get yourself on a proper accounting on a proper accounting system. Yeah. Um, so then one of the next things that I think is I personally think is a, a need to have, but I can see why some people would argue it's a nice to have. On the marketing side of things, you should start your business with some sort of email marketing platform mm-hmm. set up to start capturing email contacts and building your lists as soon as possible. Yes. Especially now that we cannot count on in-person marketing opportunities. Yes. Well, and yeah. And sorry, not to interrupt you. I I didn't mean to do that. But and newsletters and like your email marketing lists are something that are so valuable and have such a, I think for most people, a higher conversion rate than like your social media audience. Um, and I always say too, like the thing about social media, Instagram is only 10 years old. Like, and look at how much it has changed just in the last two years alone. You cannot let your business be at the mercy of one singular platform. And having an email marketing list that you are regular, not just one that you like shoot out an email to sporadically, like it kind of, this is a whole, again, a whole other episode, (laughs) but it's just something that you have to be consistent with because that's going to be such a crucial audience for you in terms of cultivating a returning client. And the sooner you can get that shit off the ground, the better. Yep. Yep. So make the investment. I mean, MailChimp has a a pretty decent free tier. Mm -hmm. I used to use them. I think it was like 2,000 contacts or maybe it's less. I can't remember what their free tier is now. But um, MailChimp is a good place to start. I personally use Flowdesk because that's... I've never even heard of that. It's easy to use, if not easier to use than MailChimp. Oh, what? So new Flowdesk is Flowdesk. It has these extremely well-designed email templates that you can use as is or very easily customize. 
And you can build automated workflows. You can segment your lists. Like it integrates cool. with Zapier. It ha- it's, a, it's a startup. But um, if you're someone who runs a business where aesthetics matter as a part of your brand and client experience, Flowdesk is so awesome. So I feel like that's most of our, our listeners. Yep, yep. <laughs> and on top of it, it's founded by two women. Oh. So like you can fucking get on that train for all of the reasons. So yeah, women in technology running a, a new startup. Um, I will give them all of my dollars. And it actually okay. is way less expensive than any of the other platforms currently. Okay. So I mean, I, I was one of the early subscribers to it and we paid or we were paying about $200 a year for an unlimited number of email contacts. That's like less than I pay a month. For yeah. Glitter guides is. So check it out. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Flowdesk. Um, it really is a, a new great resource for cool. creative business owners. Great. Um, Yes, and I, I echo all of the things that Sam said about the importance of cultivating an email list for long-term success of your business. So Squarespace also has an email marketing option now, don't they? That you can just mm-hmm. do directly from your, your dashboard. Mm-hmm. I think that all I think that's additional money. Oh, okay. Though, I think. I haven't played around with it yet. So but yes, well. Squarespace pretty recently added that into their back end. So, um, okay. So email lists, bookkeeping, websites. Sam has talked about this a lot. So, you know, y'all know. Project management systems, get your ass on Asana. If you're not, you're not doing it right. (laughs) My sweet baby love, my... My greatest, one of my greatest accomplishments aside, like the birth of my son, is that Asana follows me on Instagram now. (laughs) I'm like, I love you. I've never fangirled over a company before. (laughs) But it is great. Both Sam and I are users. It is free to use. There's no reason to not. This is definitely a crucial piece to documenting your systems and processes and your to-do list so that, again, God forbid that you get hit by a bus, someone can see what you're working on, what's coming down the pipe, all that kind of stuff. So um, the next thing is file storage and archiving things and organization. So I think... The two big hitters here are Google Drive or Dropbox. My brain works on Dropbox. I work with a lot of people whose brains work in Google Drive. That's not my brain. I don't... Google Drive is not your brain? No, I'm team Dropbox for sure. Yep, me too. Team Dropbox. Um, It does cost... What like it's either ninety nine or one ninety nine. I can't remember depending on which whether you have like business or pro or yeah, whatever. I, I pay like but thirteen bucks a month for it. So you should not. the The long and short of it here is that you should not be storing your important files on your physical computer. They need to be in the cloud, accessible yep. from anywhere at any time. And if your laptop gets run over by a bus. <laughs> And you're still going to have everything you need 
and everything yeah. that you've ever documented for your business. So, um, I mean, having your laptop crash is stressful enough, but then I can't even my I can't even like imagine how much I would freak the fuck out if all of my business's documents were on my physical laptop and it and it ate oh shit. God. Like yeah. just don't even don't even do that. I think I'm going to have a brain aneurysm just thinking about it. So don't <laughs> <laughs> don't do that to yourself, please. The and then the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of kind of what intangible things that you should have as a part of your business's infrastructure. And I know Sam has done an entire episode on this contracts. You need to have contracts with anyone that you are doing business with. So vendors, um, contract employees, employees, you name it, make them sign it. And if you are just, I mean, one of the programs that I use for contra- electronic contract signing that's been like really easy to use and they also have a, a good free tier is HelloSign. Hmm. Um, but there are lots of options out there. So just yeah. get yourself on one and make people sign it. Don't yeah. do business with them if they won't sign a contract. Because no. that's bag number one. Never do business with someone who won't sign a contract. That is like the biggest Nothing red flag. Will come of it. I think I yeah. said in my contract episode that even your grandma needs a fucking contract. If you're going to do business with yep. your grandma, like there are no exceptions to the rule, like zero. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? So my mom yeah. is a controller for a company. So she does all the HR and the finance yep. and she's like the CFO person. And she, but their company is just like so old school and they're still on everything. Like, um, Microsoft and like all these internal systems and networks and, you know, like to the point where like when this whole pandemic thing started happening and they had to go work from home, like it wasn't just like they could pick up a laptop and go like they had to bring their physical computers and get the network set up. So it's, it's just all very intense and old school, but she has been so proud of herself because she finally got her employee welcome packets up on DocuSign. And like her assistant had to spend like four months getting this uploaded and ready. And she's like, it's amazing. I just like send it to them via email and then they sign it and it's done. And I'm like, mom, I've been telling you to do this for like four years. (laughs) Oh, it's just one of those things where it's like they, their company is, it's less than 50 employees. um, But still like they've scaled without that process in place from the launch of the business, however, 20 many years ago. And now it's like, she has freed up this huge amount of time <laughs> because she took advantage of one of these systems that she was kind of like, eh, I don't think I need it. Eh. Just you guys, you need these systems. Okay. <laughs> Just do it. I mean, doing, doing it the manual way is just a headache. Mm-hmm. Like, and when you're starting a business, you're likely balancing it or juggling it. It's not balancing. It's juggling. Juggling <laughs> it with other things. Right? Yeah. You might still be juggling it with other part-time work, a full-time job, parenthood, being a spouse, 
what even if you're single shit like just being a human right now is a juggling act so do yourself a favor and don't compound like the positive and negative stress that comes with starting a business don't compound it with manual processes that are just going to be a time suck because you still even though we're all like living our lives in our homes you still have a you still have a life to live yeah you know fun to have wine to drink yeah. Pot to smoke. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever your vice is. Drag race to watch. Drag race to watch. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of good information, though, Taylor. That was, we're going to have some hefty show notes this week. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I definitely have some to do's on the business, on the, <laughs> on the insurance side of things. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to check out Flowdesk. I'm like, what? Yeah, Flowdesk is really great. Cool. Flowdesk is great. So we'll put, you know, recaps and and show notes and resources, everything you need on the site. Um, And then, of course, as always, if you guys have questions, don't hesitate to email us or um, you can do so on the the contact form on the website, prettyokpodcast.com, or you can send us a DM at prettyokpodcast. So if you're still, you know, enjoying the podcast and uh, getting some some valuable information out of it. We would love it if you go leave a re- rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I always want to call it iTunes, but that's not what it's called anymore. <laughs> it's just so ingrained in my brain. <laughs> um, but then we'll be back in a couple weeks with the next part of the series. And we're going to dive into kind of the, the minimum viable product. If you're doing a, a product-based business and getting into production schedule and strategy and dis distribution and all of that kind of stuff too. So it's really going to be your moment to shine, Miss Taylor. <laughs> so much nerdy talk, you guys. I really hope that you are buckled up <laughs> for this next conversation. <laughs> okay. Well, we will see you guys over on Instagram. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.